Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, my lovely dear sisters. I pray you're all in the best of health and iman, inshallah. Now, I understand that obviously I have not been recording anything for the last two months, and I think that's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put me in a deep position in my life where I was dealing with things, um, very difficult things that I never thought would happen in my life, subhanAllah. And I've just been tested a lot recently, just like any other human being out there. That is our purpose, you know. If we truly believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are going to be tested. Who are we to think that we won't be tested? It's even stated in the Quran as well that if we believe we are going to be tested and I also kind of think like I just needed to reevaluate certain things in my life and I was kind of directing my energy into different projects and just I wanted to up my game for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I think that's what every Muslim woman should aim to do we all a big reminder to myself by the way before I say this to anybody else but I feel like as women especially I think it's so important that in order to please Allah every single day we should aim to up our game for him and we should aim to be that muslim woman that real muslim woman for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we want to strive to be that woman that allah is pleased with you know we want to be like um fatima khadija radiallahu anha asya radiallahu anha of our generation right of our time obviously we can never reach their level because they are the mothers of islam they are the top tier women of islam and May we all aspire to be like them. I mean, but you know, we can do that for our generation. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always think to myself that He allowed us to be born in this specific time in today's society for a reason. You know, everybody's time of birth when they come into the world, it's written in a perfect record. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed for that to happen for you to be born in this moment and in this part and time of this era. And I just feel like that as a woman, we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves because, you know, in our time and generation, things are developing. The haram in this world is developing and the westernized ideologies, they're all developing. And, you know, subhanAllah, you know, these I, these false ideologies are becoming stronger because of the mindset of our society. And obviously, unfortunately, in today's society, you know, Islam is kind of you know going downhill not islam itself but the fact that you know western societies you know they really uh, step on islam they really want to bury islam to the ground but obviously um because you know we have these amazing scholars and sheikhs and sheikhs who are fantastic and you know may allah bless them abundantly with endless knowledge that they are imparting to the people in this generation to our ummah and that is what ke- is keeping the our ummah alive in today's generation and i also feel like it's so important as muslim women that we are constantly striving um to please allah we are constantly trying to put allah in our hearts and not keep anything else in our hearts as well so i feel like the last two months of me has been very testing but alhamdulillah um we're back at it now so i'm really grateful for allah and for everything that allah is doing for me because there's a lot of things that i have realized in the last couple of months but obviously um putting that to the side although it kind of links with what i wanted to talk about in today's episode and i know i haven't uploaded in so long but subhanallah i really feel like i 
I have so much to say now. Like, I didn't want to make a podcast episode and kind of force things out where I didn't feel as passionate or knowledgeable about it. You know, may Allah increase me and increase us all, you know, Muslim women as, you know, an ummah to develop our knowledge. I mean, but I do feel like today I have so much to talk about and in today's episode I wanted to talk about the things, these habits, Islamic habits that can change a person's life and I've actually been impl- implementing these habits for quite a while. Again, I'm not perfect, I will make mistakes, I will you know, sometimes slip up just like any other human being but obviously it's important that we get back up and you know, our iman needs to be so strong to the point where if we do fall you know we pick ourselves back up by the will and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we just carry on and every single time we are fighting our nafs and we are not letting our nafs get to us then that's alhamdulillah every moment that happens that is you trying to overcome your nafs to the point where actually when it comes to dealing with your nafs over time it's going to become a lot easier so subhanallah alhamdulillah for everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put us through because it is only to make us stronger but recently I have been implementing some of these changes in my life and again by the way big uh, you know big disclaimer I'm not trying to you know say that I do these every single time I'm not trying to like claim myself to be a righteous Muslim woman you know may Allah guide us to be that way I mean that is the aim that is the ultimate aim and that can only happen through the will and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so it's important that we make dua for it But these habits have changed my life massively by the will and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when I tell you they are life changing because I've actually experienced the effects subhanAllah. And I feel like I might get a little bit emotional in this podcast as well. So I am, so you know, get ready, get ready to listen because this is going to be um, something quite intense and big inshallah. Subhanallah, I actually have this very beautiful view of the sky right now. Like it's nearly Maghrib time, it's nearly hitting sunset, and it's really beautiful outside. Subhanallah. Um, okay, so let's get into it. So, these habits they are life changing because if you are somebody who is, do you know what? Right, let me let me just say something, and this is something that I've noticed. When your iman is slowly increasing, right? When you're when you feel that desire in your heart that Allah, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone can put that feeling in your heart. When he puts that feeling in your heart, right? And he doesn't just give it to anyone, by the way. So, you know, take it as a big, big blessing, because that's the biggest blessing, having that, you know, spark ignite in your heart where you just want to strive to be the best Muslim woman you can be for the sake of Allah. And you know when you have that feeling, right, and you work on it. I think some of the things that you realize is that over time it can get quite lonely like I'll be real I don't have that many friends <laughs> like alhamdulillah with the friends that I have you know they are righteous people and I always love to spend my time with them even though we are quite far apart but yeah I think one of the things I've noticed is that times can be quite lonely and challenging and at that moment you kind of have to realize that Allah has kind of taken a lot of people away from your life just so that it can just be you and him alone that is your time where Allah is now working on you Allah has always worked on us and he is still working on us now so that we can be the best people that we can be for him but and he's also preparing us for jannah and you know what i've 
I've just been kind of thinking about it. It's like all of this, these, these tests and trials that we go through in our life, like all of these are to shape us and perfect us in a way and take us away from sin so that we are prepared for Jannah. And I think, you know, without the help of Allah, we cannot, we cannot prepare enough for Jannah. We cannot prepare enough when it comes to our meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we have our private interview with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's kind of a daunting aspect and I think what's so beautiful is that because mankind was created weak as stated in the Quran mankind estate is made created weak so we you know it it just shows that we are not self-sufficient only Allah is self-sufficient Allah alone is self-sufficient we are not self-sufficient one bit we are very dependent on Allah we are dependent on the resources that he provides for us and this also goes to show that we can't claim and we can't claim you know the the rewards and the praises from you know whoever we get praises from we can't accept that we can't take credit we can't say you know this belongs to me or that belongs to me i think one of the biggest lessons i've learned recently is that everything belongs to allah like say for example you and your mother for example us and our mothers our mothers you know may allah you know grant them the highest ranks of jannah for all that they do for us i mean and may he allow us women to become you know excellent mothers one day as well inshallah um i mean and i also just kind of think to myself that yes like mothers they have this you know natural intense love for their child and the mother kind of is it's that natural behavior where the mother knows that the child it belongs to theirs but we kind of often forget that we don't belong to our parents we belong to allah our parents also belong to allah and doesn't matter what relationship you have whether that's a relationship you have with your spouse a relationship that you have with your parents all of the important significant people in your life we always have to remember that they before they become our parents before they become our spouses our brothers and our sisters in islam they are servants of allah and you know how we get tested the most is through people people are sent allah sends people to test us and the most testing of the people are those closest to us like our parents siblings friends spouses they are the most testing and sometimes we often feel like that we are the main character in that situation that whenever we're going through a hardship and that's created by somebody we often feel like that we are the main character and we need to get rid of that because whatever we are going through the other person that you know has made us feel that type of way in our hardship they're being tested as well and we always have to remember that a blessing and a hardship they're both tests regardless and we shouldn't compare our lives to other people that's why it's so important to be so private about your life and not talk about you know wasteful things that you know it's it's haram to be talking about wasteful things we should always be speaking good you know we shouldn't delve into talking about our lives and comparing our lives with other people because that's not rightful thinking that's not rightful speaking and one thing i've learned is that when somebody has a blessing and in your you're not feeling envious you're not feeling any jealousy because that comes from a negative place of mind but sometimes it's a natural thing by the way where you see somebody and they have this beautiful blessing and you are happy for them and you're also praying for that blessing as well to come your way and you know you're praying for that person to gain more but you also need to realize that 
blessings are a test as well a big reminder to myself that blessings are truly a test and when somebody has something and you don't when you don't have something that's a test when they have something that's a test like for example you know if that this is the other thing for example if you don't get what you want that's a test to see how you react in that hardship and the best way to react in that hardship and i see it in two ways now hardship puts you in a state where it's an overwhelming feel of emotion sometimes you don't know how to act on your emotions sometimes you make rash decisions based on your emotions but one thing we need to remember is that when it comes to hardship switch that hardship into an act of ibadah switch that hardship into an act of worship that will bring you closer to Allah now hardship can easily you know give us negative feelings that's our nafs taking over us and i often think that if we you know with when we're in a hardship if we let our negativity overtake us and it takes us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are actually amongst the losers we are the real losers and we are not preparing ourselves for jannah at that point if we let our hardship take us away from Allah then not only are we going to be facing the pain of that hardship but we're never going to have we're never going to learn qualities that will help us you know bring ourselves closer to Allah and fall in love with the process and prepare ourselves for jannah like we wouldn't learn the you know the uh, attribute of sabr we wouldn't learn how to be grateful we wouldn't learn to be dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we wouldn't learn to know that you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who knows everything he's all aware he is all wise he 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 is about like you know metaphorically a hundred steps ahead of us more i'm just using you know words different words to kind of explain my point here but when we go through hardship and we yes we are feeling physical pain in our hearts but if we use that time to have sabr and keep in mind of everything and really think that okay in this in this hardship the way i'm going to turn this hardship into an act of ibadah is that all of my responses all of my actions in this hardship i'm going to make sure that's pleasing to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is the mindset that you need to have for example say if you and your parents fall out or your parents are you know they're not understanding your point you know nowadays we live in a generation where a lot of the parents are from back home and a lot of the children are raised in a westernized country and so the mindset can often be different there can sometimes be a barrier and that can be quite frustrating and often we see ourselves we put ourselves in a position where our parents don't understand us and and again i'm using this as an example and instead of us having sabr we retaliate we raise our voice against them astaghfirullah so we're in this hardship right now and obviously that hardship is bringing us pain but we also have to think that actually this this you know disconnect and you know displeasing and shouting at our parents this is actually displeasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so in this case our hardship we haven't turned it into an act of ibadah Ibadah is not just physical worship it's not just praying salah five times a day reading Quran and all of this it's about our actions how we speak the state of our hearts and we always need to remember that 
everybody is in a state of test. Every Muslim, every Muslimah is in a state of test. They are, they are either in a state of blessing or a hardship. And that blessing could just be you eating at the dinner table and you eating food. And that's an underrated blessing that sometimes we might not be thankful for or show Allah our thankfulness. But it's a blessing, you know, Allah has given us amazing food to eat. But in this case, it's like... If you keep your sabr, if you don't raise your voice at your parents, yes, you are still feeling pain from this hardship, but you're making this hardship bearable because you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at least, you know, may he be pleased with us. You know, at least he will be pleasing with your actions. And you know what? Sometimes it's our sins that stop us from getting what we want. It stops our dua from being accepted sometimes. And that's why one of the biggest things I have learnt and I want, you know, everyone to take something away from this. And again, a big reminder to myself almost is that no matter what state you're in, no matter how difficult your life is, whatever situation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you in, he has put you in to test you, to test your level of iman, to prepare you for jannah, to fix you, to shape you. Because we can't shape ourselves on our own. We don't know what we need to get into jannah. Of course we do, but the Almighty knows best. You know, so we need his help. We need his aid. And so take that as a blessing. And you know what? Inshallah, when we get to Jannah, when we get to the high, may, you know, may Allah grant all of us women the highest ranks of Jannah. Ameen. We're going to be looking back. We're going to be laughing at the fact that we went through what we did in the dunya. Like these hardships will be nothing. And we need to have that mindset. And let me tell you this. It's a difficult mindset to have. Very difficult. But it takes step by step it takes little events bit by bit if you're having a disagreement with someone in your head before you think say anything it's important that you guard your mouth first of all and you think you take time to think right is what i'm going to say beneficial is what i'm going to say pleasing to allah there's actually a beautiful hadith by prophet muhammad sallallahu wasallam where he said Whoever can guarantee the chastity of what is between his two jawbones, so for that's that's the mouth, and what is between his two legs, so yes, his tongue and his private parts, I guarantee paradise for him. And you know what? You know, anything else could have been said, but it's the fact that obviously our private parts that relates to zina, but also more importantly, our mouths. You know, whatever comes out of our mouths, it only takes one bad word to enter jannah. Right? It only takes one utter, one bad utterance of speech for all of our good deeds to be wiped away. And that is something that we shouldn't aim to do. And it's very easy to do that. That's why I'm saying do it bit by bit. Any situation that Allah puts you in, don't be rash, you know, because your actions matter. It's really easy to snap back. And it's so bad that nowadays people have the need to snap back and make a comment on everything. Sometimes... It's better to be silent. And you know what it is? I think we live in a society, and I live in a Western society. I live in the UK. And they really do promote in schools as well, because I'm also a, a secondary school teacher, high school teacher, um, however you want to say it in your, um, however it is in your own country. But here I'm a um, secondary school teacher. And I've noticed that schools, so, social media, like the westernized aspect of social media, they 
they flip they flip everything the wrong way and they kind of say that we always need to stand up for ourselves we always need to snap back make sure that we don't tolerate injustice of course even islam tells us we shouldn't intolerate injustice but there's a way of doing it that we don't need to snap back we don't need to be constantly angry we don't need to you know show with aggression and violence that's not what you know islam encouraged us to do so yes allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the emotion anger and there are halal ways of utilizing that anger but that's a whole different subject and i'm not going going to go deep into it but what i'm trying to say is is that all of these norms in the western society we should never let that cloud our judgment when it comes to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us so actually what I'm trying to say is some situations you just need to be quiet and when something bad happens to you or something that has been taken away from you or something that you didn't think would ever be lost from you you need to stop yourself for a moment go first of all if you're going through a hardship go and pray two rakats fall and cry and go into sujood and make dua to allah speak to allah cry your heart out but then once you've calmed yourself down think about think about it whatever's been taken away from you only happened by the will of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed it to happen he the almighty the all knowing he knows us better than our own selves we don't even know what's going to i don't even know what's going to happen to me in the next 10 minutes only allah does so he is the most wise so whatever that we whatever we have gained whatever that has been taken away from us only he only he knows why and he willed for it to happen so shouldn't we put our trust in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shouldn't we really why shouldn't we trust allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are believers at the end of the day we believe in the almighty we are we are believers and trust should come with it and we have to remember you need to have a positive perception on hardships you need to remember that allah is shaping us for jannah he doesn't do that to everyone he really doesn't otherwise allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have guided them it's only those whom he guides and whom he loves that will be shaped and prepared for jannah so that is one of the biggest lessons that i wanted to share okay so the second um big concept lesson that i you know really want to share with you girls and it is going to combine salah with sins and it's going to combine our risk as well our provision now sometimes when we make dua we might feel like our dua isn't being answered and there are many reasons for that that we don't know only allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the almighty knows so i can't really say anything about why they might not be answered but one of the biggest things that we know is that our sins can act as a big barrier between us and the provision We don't know what that provision is but if we're asking Allah for the right prov- provision, the right risk, then it's important that we are doing the most that we can to make sure that dua is answered readily. And one of the best ways to do that is work on your sins, try and remove them. For example, there are so- and you know what? It's not the sins that are major. It's well actually it is the major sins of course, but 
It's the sins that we don't think about. It's the sins that we are addicted to that are part of our normal life that we don't even comprehend that they are sins. For example, listening to music. Now that is a very common major sin. There are hadiths about it and it's just a major sin in Islam. And in today's society, you know, as soon as you get in the car, music is played. As soon as you go into a shopping center, music is played. As soon as you do some sort of celebration, go to a wedding or whatever, music is played. You go to a restaurant, music is played everywhere. So because it's so normalized, we think that we we don't even realize it we just do it we just listen to the music we just play the music you know astaghfirullah and what i'm trying to say is is that it's those types of sins that we need to work on and i think one of the best ways to do this is honestly sit yourself down sit yourself down get a pen paper or you know type it on your phone i love typing these things on my phone so it allows me to kind of just work on it and obviously everyone's got you know they're attached to their phones so utilize it in the best way that you can to improve yourselves for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so write down the sins like you know what this is what you should do think about your normal typical day in this dunya right think about your typical day Now, look at the different parts of your day or even do this whilst you're carrying out your daily activities. Write down the list of sins that you do that you don't even comprehend that they're sins. For example, listening to music. For example, uh, watching a haram scene in a movie, right? These are just examples that I'm throwing, you know, your way. And work on them. Work on them. Replace that, that music with beautiful Quran or nasheeds. You know, there are so many beautiful Quran playlists out there that are just, it, it gets to you. Not only is it an act of worship, but, you know, of course, in hand in hand, it is pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are removing that sin. And you know what one of the best types of deed is? The most beloved deed, and actually one of the most beloved deeds and the most honorable deeds, I want to say, is the fact that, you know, if you have a true believer, a true believer is somebody who constantly works to remove their sins, constantly repents, constantly tries their hardest to remove that sin. So when that sin comes in front of them, they don't even want to look at it. They're tempted, but they don't even cross that barrier to get into that sin. That is the type of level that we need to um, get through. So work on it because you know what's going to happen in your mind is that once you've worked on it and you're working on it, you feel good. Like subhanAllah, you feel good. You feel like you don't you don't even realize this, right? But you feel like this heavy burden has been lifted off your shoulder. So I genuinely think, you know, sit yourself down and do it. Do it step by step and work on it. This is what I mean when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to shape you. This is what I mean. He's trying to prepare us for Jannah. So all of these sins that we do, sit down and find ways to eradicate them. And if it's an addiction, go backwards. If it's an addiction, you know, first of all, make sincere tawbah. You know, ask, uh, you know, for very intense, deep forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then go back. You know, number one, there are th- 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 there's this massive thing when it comes to repentance, right? And that is to not put yourself in that environment. Don't even put yourself in that environment where that sin is from. Remove that. Remove that environment. Remove that scenery. And just remove everything that will remind you of that sin. And another thing is making sure that you are around people who only remind you to do good who don't even speak about that sin, who allow you, who allows you to kind of um, 
be better about yourself and divert your mind onto the correct things you know and that is islam so these are the ways that you know we can eradicate our sins because when we do that we feel like we are actually improving we genuinely feel like we are actually making this sincere effort that is ikhlas when you're putting in the action you can have the intentions but to really show that your intentions are sincere we need to do the amal we need to do the actions for it to remove those sins to stop the barriers that will lead us to these sins one of the best ways is is to track yourself as well have a nice tracker make a tracker on canva or something this is stuff that i love doing by the way and it will help you you know it will really help you reach your goal and watch how allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses you and that blessing could be in this dunya or in the akhirah and believe me i think we all want the akhirah more than the dunya and i think that is the most beautiful thing because it's only allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who would have allowed us to do that now doesn't that show you how much allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves you if he has put you in that position where you are at a point where you are trying to remove sins from your life that is allah making you do that not you that is allah that is allah that is making us do that because he loves us and we should be honored that the almighty wants to see us in jannah in his beautiful jannah and i don't think we should pass pass on that opportunity because that does that opportunity does not come for just anyone so it's a it's a big thing to be thankful for alhamdulillah okay number 3 and this is and i think i might have said it before but praying bang on time like praying salah on time as soon as the adhan is called you are rushing but you know what's even better rushing before the adhan is called when you and you know what's really beautiful right when you are mindful of salah times when you are constantly looking at the timetable on your phone thinking when is asr you know and every single day that happens where you're looking at your phone you're like okay when is maghrib okay maghrib is in 20 minutes let me make wudu do you know how beautiful that is and the fact that allah is allowing you to do that And you know what one thing I've noticed subhanallah is that I've actually heard uh, somebody I know um this happened to her subhanallah and she was waking up for fajr every day using her alarm and you know alhamdulillah she never missed it and she did the same for zuhur she didn't have an alarm for that because she wasn't sleeping and asr to the point where like she for fajr she didn't even need an alarm She Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed her so much where Allah made her wake up without an alarm 20 minutes before fajr. And I think that is truly so beautiful. And she even said that she had those moments where like um she would look at her phone and it's it's the exact prayer time. So for example, in the morning she would read that asr is like at, you know, 4:15 p.m. or something like that. and then she's just going about her day and then she checks her phone and it's bang on 4:15 like like that is a mer- big mercy from Allah that is Allah literally telling you right that is prayer time go and pray without and and imagine you could have forgotten you could have forgotten that asr was at 4:15 you would have ended up praying at like 4:30 or something like that right so when you look at your phone instantly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding you to go and pray and you want to be in that position we all want to be in that position subhanallah and i think that is so beautiful when when you drag your heart to salah when you drag your heart to pray on time 
Watch how your heart drags you. Watch how Allah moves your heart to drag you to perform salah. And and when I'm when I was talking about how we can relate salah with our sins. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in chapter 11 verse 114 and perform prayer surely the good deeds remove the evil deeds subhanallah. Salah is the number one good deed, you know? It's one of the most beautiful types of ibadah that combines of physical, you know, emotional and verbal you know, so we are reciting the words of Surah Al-Fatiha. We are, you know, moving our limbs in a way that we are meant to when it comes to Salah. We are feeling that sincerity, that ikhlas, that passion in our hearts to pray. And actually one of my friends, you know, may Allah be pleased with her. She said something very profound to me. She goes to me, Rizwana, just deep this, right? She goes to me, when you pray... Pray as if it is your last prayer. Pray as if that prayer is going to forgive you for all of your sins. Pray as if that prayer is going to take you to Jannah. That changed the mindset of everything. Again, it's all about mindset here. If you change your mindset when it comes to ibadah to the point where you don't just do it because it's obligatory. A true mu'min, a true believer does it out of sincerity, out of ikhlas, out of the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, Iman combines, you know, of your limbs, of your physical aspect, your your actions, your heart, your tongue. Okay, it's all about sincerity in all of those aspects when it comes to having the correct Iman. And it is the best type of feeling, subhanAllah, because you are remembering Allah constantly. And even Allah tells us in the Quran that verily in the remembrance of Allah do hearts find rest. So if you're going through hardship, that is the ease. You know how Allah says in the Quran, and everyone I'm sure knows this beautiful verse, subhanAllah, verily with hardship comes ease. So what's really beautiful is that hardship might be happening in your life, but you are still remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is a sign that Allah, Allah loves you. He has you. He's got you. When you're going through this hardship, he, he is holding your hand. I'm saying this metaphorically, by the way, but... He is with you because you're doing the right things. You are doing the right things. You're, he's preparing you for Jannah. And we always need to keep reminding ourselves that. And you know what? Sometimes it is so difficult. So difficult. And I completely get it. Like, believe me, I get it. <laughs> I've been there. We've all been there. Us sisters, we've been there. But we need to just keep reminding ourselves of that. And you know what? One other thing as well, whenever we're crying, whenever we're put in a difficult situation, when we're just crying to ourselves, make that an act of ibadah. Make your tears an act of ibadah. Turn to Allah and, and go to Allah and, you know, go onto your prayer mat and be in sujood and be like, Allah, I cannot handle this on my own. I need you. I need you, Ya Rabbi. I am not self-sufficient. I am dependent on you, Allah. Only you can make this easy for me. I cannot do this on my own. Please help me, Ya Rabb. When you are vulnerable to Allah, where you are aware that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of all things, that is when a lot of things change. Allah looks after you and you can feel it. And you know what, subhanAllah, I don't want to go into this too in too much detail, but I went through something in my life and the night before this situation happened, the night before I was crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about it 
and I was really pouring my heart out in sujood to the point where next day Allah gave me the solution. It wasn't the solution. Sometimes we don't need the solution, but Allah helped me so much to fix something. And it was really lovely seeing that. And it just it just is so beautiful. I, I have no other words to say because I'm I'm so in awe. Like I don't know if you can tell from this podcast, but I just I'm I'm really in awe of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does for myself, what he does for sisters that I know. And believe me, when you hold on to Allah, you shouldn't even think about when your du'a is gonna be answered. Don't even think about that. Just know that every single time you turn to Allah, that is a good thing. And Allah knows that. Allah is aware of that. And that is the best thing that can happen. So you just wait. And whilst you're waiting, use that time to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Perfect yourself. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let him do his work on you. Don't start sinning. Don't start forgetting about Allah because Allah isn't giving you what you want. Don't do that. That's the wrong mindset. Keep remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah knows that and let Allah handle everything. You sit back. For example, if you've made a decision about something in your life, don't let the voices of other people interfere. You've made a decision, right, pray istikhara, you know, pray tahajjud and sit back, relax, watch Allah do everything whilst you are just focusing on your relationship with him. Even though it's so difficult, but you have to remember that it is the almighty that can give, give you what you want. Not yourself, not anybody else. It, everything happens by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we need to always remember that. Again, everything that I'm saying is a big reminder to myself foremost. So that's why, you know, doing actions that remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like praying on time, watch how Allah changes your life. Like when I tell you, you know, alhamdulillah, I've experienced this. A lot of sisters I know experience this and it is life changing. And it's all because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, I believe I'm on number three, I think. I think I'm on number three. Um, but tahajjud, wow, subhanAllah, tahajjud has changed a lot of things for me, alhamdulillah. And I think one of the greatest things it has changed, I don't want to go into too much detail about myself, is my mindset and my ability to kind of just keep relying on Allah my ability to love and fall in love with my ibadah more and more every single day subhanallah and have du'as become slowly answered in the most beautiful ways that I did not expect tahajjud is truly wonderful subhanallah so I don't want to go into uh, too much detail in terms of how to pray tahajjud I think I have a podcast episode regarding tahajjud but again uh, please do your um <clears throat> Please do your research, you know, your intense research and make sure you read about it from the correct scholars and no corrupt scholars. Please don't go on Reddit or um, what's the other one? I don't know, but um, Quora or something like that. Uh, make sure you watch a video by a um, renowned, you know, well Muslim uh, scholar. Um, but the Hajjud is often known as the night prayer. And you often pray after Isha um, or in the last third of the night. But any time b between after Isha Salah and 
before Fajr and is the night of prayer. The Hajjah prayer, again, it's not considered to be obligatory. However, you know, there is immense significance and several blessings associated with the Hajjah and it's believed to be the most virtuous amongst the Nafil prayers. You know, it's also named as the Qiyamul Layl and it's considered to be a part of the Sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And actually in the Quran, it talks about night prayer a lot. And in the Quran, chapter 17, verse 79, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And from part of the night, pray with it as additional worship for you. It is expected that your Lord will resurrect you to a praised station. Subhanallah. So that's telling us the significance of tahajjud. When I tell you tahajjud, and the environment that you're doing tahajjud in is so peaceful. So, say for example, it's it's really different. Like, when you're praying at home, like, during the day, yes, it's quiet in your room when you're praying, but, and it's the same when you're praying at nighttime, but it's a whole different, like, environment and serenity. You know, when you're praying tahajjud, it's like the whole world is quiet. You can't even hear a pin drop. It is that quiet, subhanAllah. Like you're in your own home and everyone's sleeping and the outside world, they're all sleeping as well. And it's like you truly feel the immense closeness between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you're performing tahajjud prayer regularly, you are sure to earn the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the hajjud prayer brings a Muslim woman and a Muslim closer to the almighty and you know your life is filled with peace and brightness and there are so many hadiths and Quran verses that emphasize the importance of tahajjud as well for example again the Quran mentions in chapter 25 verse 64 and they who pass the night prostrating themselves before their lord and standing so profound and so beautiful subhanallah i genuinely feel like when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you are doing additional acts of worship on top of your obligatory again i think i have a whole podcast episode you know emphasizing the fact that you know it's best it's always make sure that your obligatory acts of worship are intact before you do additional because your obligatory that is that is what you will be questioned about so it's important that you focus on that before you even think of doing any additional but it's definitely recommended because that shows how much you are trying your best to earn love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is this beautiful hadith as well um, from Bukhari and Muslim where Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wa sallam says that the Lord descends every night to the lowest heaven when one third of the night remains and says, Who will call upon me that I may answer him? He will ask of me that I may give him. He will seek my forgiveness that I may forgive him. And you know what's so beautiful, subhanAllah, is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes down to the lowest heavens and actually listens and sees which of his servants are waking up in that last third of the night and actually doing extra ibadah for him. Allah records that the angels record that and it is so beautiful because that is when we are the most closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when our head is in sujood we are the most closest to Allah and if Allah is coming down to the lowest of heavens what message is this giving us subhanallah so tahajjud has really fulfilled my heart because I've noticed that with my ibadah like I love doing it in the night, subhanAllah, because that is the most virtuous. Our beloved Prophet Muhammad would always wake up during the nights to do extra additional acts of worship. He even states that it is recommended to do that. And the true success of the believers are those who, you know, 
wake up before Fajr and wake up in the last third of the night to attain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness and to attain his pleasure. And I truly think that is the most beautiful aspect. And tahajjud is just a miracle <laughs> um, sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So definitely I would recommend doing that as well. And it's only two rakats. You can obviously pray more than that. But the minimum is just praying two rakats. So I really do, again, highly recommend praying tahajjud. Okay, so I think we're on number four. I think I've lost count a little bit, subhanAllah. But the next one is, and I would highly recommend like all sisters do this because because it's amazing. And that is to become a student of knowledge. Enroll yourself into an Islamic program where they are, you know, where it's taught by um, Islamic scholars, teachers who are qualified to teach you about Islam and to teach you about different aspects. So you can enroll yourself in things such as tafsir of the Quran, you know, hadith, studying of the hadith, studying of fiqh, IST, Islamic scholarly tradition, um, studying Arabic, um, studying adab, tarbiyah, so many different courses. Courses. And I highly recommend, recommend um, sisters to delve into that aspect. There are so many free courses. And actually, um, what I run, Muslim Support System, with a group of sisters, may Allah be pleased with them, um, we offer free Islamic education as well. And you can search it up on at Muslim Support System. And we have, you know, amazing, beautiful, qualified teachers who teach tafsir and teach other aspects of Islam that every Muslim woman should know. So again, not just Muslim support system, there are so many different Islamic institutes who provide free programs that are online and can be self-paced or there are some that you have to pay for. But again, it's up to you. But one of the biggest things I would say that is really important is that knowledge is an obligatory act of worship it is something that prophet muhammad would always emphasize and would always say how important seeking knowledge is because you know what it is one thing i've realized that ever since when you put yourself in that situation where you are seeking knowledge and you're acting upon that knowledge so that knowledge isn't just information you know a true mu'min acts on that knowledge he gains you don't just you know read it and kind of be like yeah i'm knowledgeable now that's not how it works that's not how you receive ilm in that manner but more so it's the way you act upon it you know doing the amal once you do the amal the, that's the real ilm, that's the real knowledge that is sacred and that really shows that you are bringing yourself closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a beautiful hadith in Sahih Muslim and where Prophet Muhammad says that whoever travels a path in search of knowledge, Allah will make it easy for him a path to paradise. People do not gather in the houses of Allah reciting the book of Allah and studying it together, but that tranquility will descend upon them. Mercy will cover them, angels will surround them, and Allah will mention them to those near him. Subhanallah. Do you see the impact of having knowledge and gaining knowledge? And you know what? You have to think about it. And you have to think about it this way, right? And I'm actually reading a beautiful book called The Heirs of the Prophet. I highly recommend that book. And I think I'm on about chapter five. And there's a beautiful concept. Think about this world today and the society that we live in. Subhanallah. One of the biggest things is is that the knowledge is slowly dying out. Think about the time of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu You know, Islam was very strong in a sense that there were so many scholars, you know, so many people that loved Islam and dedicated their lives to Islam. Slowly as the world has been evolving, 
the true scholars are the true mu'mins. They are the ones who are the ones that we need to look up to for knowledge and to gain the real knowledge. Nowadays, when you go on the internet and you don't actually seek knowledge from a trusted teacher or you go on Instagram as well and there's false knowledge where sometimes some of the videos that you see, some of the reels that you see aren't even backed by authentic sources like the Quran and Sunnah. And what happens is you're going to have deficient knowledge. That knowledge will have no impact. That knowledge will have no, you know, benefit. It's it's something that won't benefit you. And unfortunately, why knowledge is so important is the fact that, you know, we have the greatest scholars of Islam, but once they pass away, that stops a lot of people from attaining knowledge. That's why seeking knowledge and sharing beneficial knowledge is so important, especially in this day and age where social media and technology and the westernized ideologies are slowly increasing astaghfirullah it's the fact that we need to make sure that the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us is sacred, it's kept. That's why it's so encouraged to study the Quran because at one point the Quran will be lifted, the knowledge will be removed and you know we'll be hopeless, we'll be in a hopeless state. So we always have to keep in mind that we need to seek knowledge for ourselves, especially as women in Islam where we are going to be mothers inshallah and inshallah when we have children the first physical role model our children have is us the mothers and they look up to their mother you know young children they look at the actions rather than the words they see what their parents are doing they see what their parents are speaking about and whether they, their parents are praying salah speaking good to people children will pick up on that so as a woman we want to be the ones to attain knowledge for the sake of allah so that when we give birth to our children you know by the mercy of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are able to pass on that knowledge so when we pass away at least that knowledge will be passing through generations and one of the biggest kind of failures i personally feel like is if you are the last muslim in your generation then you have not done a good deed. That is kind of scary if you think about it. Because if you don't let Islam continue in your bloodline, in your family, once you pass away, you haven't left a legacy. You Any sin that anybody does, any disbelief people do, because of the fact that you never shared knowledge or you never emphasized Islam or you never taught the teachings of Islam and what it is to be a Muslim and Allah and you didn't signify that. Every time somebody sins or they're in disbelief, you will get sinned for it. And I always tell myself, and this is actually going to relate to my next point, when you pass away, you want to make sure that you are getting good rewards. You are you are still attaining the reward and love from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after death because you don't want to be punished in the grave for people sinning around you because of you, because of the false teachings or the fact that you didn't even practice or share the knowledge that you attained. So again, it's so important that we keep increasing our ummah and we increase our love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we keep increasing Islam and allowing it to spread through people's hearts. It's a job for us. It's actually one of our responsibilities as Muslims to make sure that we share and act upon sacred knowledge that has been given to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
But one of the things we have to remember when we are attaining knowledge, especially if it's if we are going to get like a degree from it or if we're going to get some sort of certificate or something, we should never do it for the worldly gain. You should never undergo Islamic studies where you're thinking where you want to be like, oh, yes, I've got a degree in Islamic studies. You don't want to do that. You don't want to become an alima for the purpose of becoming an alima and having that name. And you know what? Seeking knowledge is actually kind of, a, it's a big deal because it's to do with your intentions. It's to do with the ikhlas, the sincerity of your heart. It's to do with how how much you really want to do this for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because a lot of people, unfortunately, and may Allah allow us to never be like this, but a lot of people, they gain knowledge and they show it off. They show it off to prove themselves to be something greater than somebody else. They prove to show themselves at a higher status we must never do that so whenever we are seeking knowledge it's so important that we constantly you know ask Allah to purify our intentions we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us the best Muslims we can be we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to always allow this knowledge to be the means that we enter Jannah and that we attain this knowledge only for his sake only for his sake and that is really the true best benefit of seeking knowledge is when you act upon the knowledge you gain because if that knowledge is reaching your ears but if it's not getting into your heart that knowledge has no benefit to you but once you start acting on that knowledge that shows you the closeness that you're going to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the one of the best ways to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to attain knowledge for his sake that's one of the biggest ways that us muslim women can be the best women that we can be that's that's the type that is the real muslim women where she does everything for the sake of allah where she seeks knowledge for the sake of allah to the point where that way she can not only be an excellent servant of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in turn she will be an excellent mother she'll be able to raise righteous children inshallah she'll be able to have uh, attract a righteous spouse inshallah she'll be able to leave this beautiful legacy that allah allowed to happen where beautiful knowledge is, is, you know, imparted to the next generation's hearts. And that is what we want to do. We want to be mothers, inshallah, that provide our children, inshallah, with the best benefit. And that is Islam through the mercy and will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So seeking knowledge is very important. Again, I could go on and on about seeking knowledge, but um, I think I'm going to move on. Okay, so number five, and this actually relates to seeking knowledge, but um, this is to start a project where you're, uh, you are helping other sisters or you are helping the ummah. It can be a charity project. And I think I actually mentioned this before in other episodes where we've talked about, um, where I've talked about the importance of giving back to the community and that there's a beautiful hadith that states that the most beloved deed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a Muslim who is of benefit to another Muslim, who makes another Muslim happy. Whether that's a charity project, whether that's an Islamic education service that you want to offer whether it's a community group where you allow sisters muslim sisters to come together and spread the love of islam anything that where you are giving back to the community 
is truly beautiful because you know what it is it's a beautiful hobby to have for a muslim woman it is something so beautiful to have and when you're doing it for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's a win-win situation not only you are keeping yourself away from haram by keeping yourself busy that is also one of the best ways to be a really great muslim woman is to occupy yourself with ibadah with things that you enjoy that will bring you closer to Allah, where you are looking out for other people, where you are thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation, where you are trying to be the best Muslim woman you can be for the sake of Allah, where you are doing things and expecting things not to be given back to you. That's the mindset we should have where we, you, you know what, I feel like in today's generation, we, we always see ourselves wanting give or take, give and take. So if we give something, we expect something in return, but that's not how it should work. Think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wa sallam. Think about the, all of our prophets actually in Islam. Whenever they get, gave something to someone, they never expected anything in return. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obviously we are nothing like him. Allah is the most unique. But when Allah gives us something of so so much, you know, Allah blesses us abundantly. He never needs anything from us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is self-sufficient. He doesn't need our worship, right? But you know what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to say that Islam teaches us that whenever we want to give something to someone, we should never return, want something in return. That's not the ideal Muslim mindset. It's so important that we give, give, give because Allah taught us to be generous, you know, Allah taught us to be generous. That's actually one of Allah's Ta'ala's names, the most generous. And we need to adopt that attribute as well. May Allah always increase us in all of the attributes that he loves to see in his servants. Ameen. So start doing something that is amazing because honestly... Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, ever since started starting to work on Muslim support system... I have seen myself, even though I've been quite busy, alhamdulillah, but it's good busy because otherwise I would be sitting here, you know, wasting my time on things. Start a podcast, start a book club, you know, start a halakha, you know, go to your local mosque, start a project. There are so many things that you can do. And you know what's so beautiful? You can do it from the, your own home. Muslim support system, for example, it's an online run um, Islamic education service. You can do the exact same thing as well. You don't need to have so many different resources. You don't even need to have money to start something like this up. And don't think about the numbers. Don't think about popularity. Do this as an act of ibadah that you're going to enjoy. But number one, it's going to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most. That is the best type of worship. One of the best types of worship in today's society that you can have. Because think about it, there are so many hobbies that can lead to haram. Like for example, going to the movies. You know, for example, watching you know bad scenes on TV that come up. You can't trust that, right? That's not really a good deed at all. You know, do something that's active. Be proactive in giving back to your community. Because you know what's so beautiful? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees you being merciful to his servants, sees you being very generous to your servants, do you not think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't give you more than what you are giving to other people? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most generous. He is the most kind. He is the most beneficial. So he's going to give you so much more because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, sees that you are doing this this is all written in a perfect record and this is something that we should take a big lesson that we should take where we should when we do something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless us. He's al-shakur. He is the most appreciative of what we do. Doesn't matter how big or small, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees your efforts. So start something today. And this is a big reminder to myself foremost before I share this with anybody. And um, I think I've said this disclaimer about four or five times, but it's so important that I keep sharing this. Okay, so I believe we are on number six, inshallah, or number five. I think I've honestly lost count at this point. Okay, this is something that um, a lot of sisters are working on, and I think everybody's working on, including myself, and that is being mindful of the state of your heart when you're alone. Now, let me give you an example. So it's one thing to do bad deeds in front of other people, to curse in front of other people, but it's also another thing to do it when you're on your own. Um, obviously, I don't want to say it's better to do it on your own, even though that's probably the better option out of the two. But again, I'm not saying um, to do that. We mustn't do that at all, especially when we're alone as well. But Obviously, number one is making sure that we do not become a bad influence in front of other people for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't, if we do a bad deed in front of somebody and somebody takes, I'm putting this in uh, quotations, by the way, um, behind the screen, where somebody takes influence over what we do, over the bad deeds that we do, we are going to be sinful for it. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, you know, that will be a sin against our name. And I think it's so important to remember that we must be good. We are we are walking representative representation of Islam. We are a walking representation of Islam in today's society. Whatever comes out of our mouths, whatever actions we do with our hands, our tongue, our ears, our limbs, people are watching. We are representing Allah. We are representing Islam because we want to be the best type of believers we want to be and honestly a lot of people when they convert to islam some of their stories i've read and it started from well either i've had a muslim friend or my muslim friend did this or you know my muslim friend's very kind things like that so it goes to show we are the walking talking um representation of islam but when it comes to being alone so say for example you know, you're driving and sometimes some of us might get road rage or things like that and we might curse. Nobody might be in the car but we might curse or we might laugh at somebody and uh, to ourselves, which is very wrong. In Islam, this is very haram and very wrong. And often we forget that when we're alone, we, we forget that we're still going to be sin sinful for it. Even if it's not in front of other people that we're doing it, but we are still going to get sinned for it. And sometimes we might not even verbally say it we might feel it inside so now i'm moving away from saying things verbally to the state of our hearts now for example we might not need to curse but inside we might feel this resentment if somebody i don't know overtakes us on the road i'm just using these little everyday examples that are relatable to everybody now or for example if somebody says something that you are not um, happy with or they might say something that i don't know you have some issue with you might look down at them in your heart that is arrogance subhanallah and that is so wrong that is a big sin we must always be conscious of the state of our heart now note the way i'm saying this i'm not saying we must uh you know fix our hearts immediately that is a work in progress it's something difficult um and may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us and it's only with allah's help that this can be accomplished so turn to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala big reminder to myself foremost when it comes to um always trying to improve the purity and the sincerity of your heart 
But what is really important is that we need to adopt that mindset where we are constantly being mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our state of hearts. So whenever, you know, we have that urge to look down at someone, we must be fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We must keep in mind that Allah is watching us. Allah is watching us. Even though I might not be verbally looking down at that person, I'm not I'm not saying anything that will make them feel little, but I'm feeling it in my heart, astaghfirullah, and that is something that we need to remove. Constantly cleanse ourselves. As soon as as soon as you get that feeling, say astaghfirullah. Say astaghfirullah plenty of times. You know, let that dhikr be the wetness of your tongue when you're saying it. Constantly do dhikr, constantly, constantly, because that will occupy your mind and it will reside in your heart as well. Constantly seek refuge in Allah. But what I'm trying to say here, the main lesson is, is constantly just to be mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just making sure that you know that Allah is watching you that you are aware and that you are not and it's really easy with this dunya with our worldly life for us to just get sucked into this and for us to kind of forget about Allah whilst during at work for example but it's so important that we don't do that and we must always check in with our hearts every single time we speak to someone or how we feel towards someone because we need to remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching so always be mindful of the state of your heart in any dealings and actions that you do Okay, my dear sisters, that is it for today's podcast. I pray, inshallah, that you enjoyed listening. And any good that you get from this podcast is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from Allah alone. Um, Anything that I have said wrong or anything that uh, has been incorrect in this podcast, please do forgive me. That has come from myself and not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And may he guide us all to be the best Muslim women that we can be and to constantly strive for him. Because Allah loves those who strive for him. Amen. And yes, that's pretty much it. Inshallah, I will start uploading again. Well, I will try my best to. Inshallah, I really will try my best to. Inshallah. And Jazakallah khair for all of the support that you sisters have given me with e Muslima. It's nearly been a year since I launched e Muslima, So it's actually, you know, all praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this platform i'm truly grateful but inshallah i'll speak to your sisters soon assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh